You are listening to a CNA podcast. Hello, Afifa. How are you doing today? It's been good, Steve. Um, we're just wrapping up Hari Raya celebrations. Yeah, you know, the festive season here lasts for a month. So there's been a lot of open houses everywhere, a lot of good Hari Raya food. People have been going back to their hometowns to spend time with their family. But things are sort of winding down now and everyone's going back to the grind. I imagine there must be so much food consumed over the last month as well. Must be nice. We haven't spoken in quite a while. I thought it would be good to touch base for a chat about politics in Malaysia following the first unity government convention since Anwar Ibrahim uh, came to power. Yeah, it has been a while, hasn't it? Quite honestly, we're enjoying a bit of downtime in Malaysian politics these days. Things have been relatively stable and calm, for now at least. Yeah, and we'll get more into that. We also have time, I hope, to get up to speed with where former Prime Minister Najib Razak is with all his 1MDB-related court cases and his pardon petitions and things like that as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, many people still haven't forgotten about Najib just yet. He's still very much at the back of the minds of people's minds, especially his hardcore supporters from within his party, Amno. Okay, well, we'll have more on Najib later. Let's start with the current Prime Minister, Anwar Ibrahim, who was in bullish mood at his recent monthly assembly with his PMO staff. I thank you all because the programs which we implemented have instilled confidence that the government is stable and here for the long term. This is proven by our GDP for the first quarter, which is far better than we expected. The growth forecast was a maximum of 5%, but we hit 5.6%. Inflation and joblessness have reduced while investments have increased. A stable government builds confidence and brings results. That's essentially uh, what he is saying, Afifa. Those comments are coming a day after the Unity Government Convention, where all the different component parties lined up behind him. But was it always a given that he would get the backing and support that he was looking for? Well, this unity government, it's, it's a post-electoral arrangement, right? So six months ago, it was all about finding new allies. It was all about working together with very unlikely partners in order to form a majority. So we saw parties from different sides of the divide coming together and then supporting Anwar Ibrahim and him being sworn in as the 10th Prime Minister of Malaysia. It's a new political landscape here. Anwar needed at that time to cobble together this arrangement post-GE15 and keep this so-called unity government intact. So it took a lot of compromise on his part, a lot of wisdom, a lot of political skill for this to happen. And a lot of analysts I've spoken to say, you know, they're really giving Anwar the total credit for it. He's, they say only he can achieve something like this. But, you know, the common goal that all of these parties and component coalitions have or the main uniting factor was that everybody wanted to be in power, right? Everybody wanted to be in government and to remain in power. Um, of course, to ensure stability, we saw how this unity government put in some safeguards, so to speak. So we already have the anti-party hopping law in force and that prevents defections um, of MPs from one party to another. Uh, but we also saw the Prime Minister securing this MOU between the component coalition and that essentially binds them to support the PM in matters like confidence and supply, for example, and the government's legitimacy. So we have that mechanisms in place, and I think that's something that he will have their support for time being at least. Yeah, and we know that AMNO, you know, the largest or one of the largest uh, political parties, reluctantly joined Anwar's unity government. How are they doing? Anwar was quick to praise Deputy Prime Minister Ahmad Zahid Hamidi, saying, this is the quote I have for him, it says, if it was not for Zahid's commitment as AMNO president and support for AMNO's, of AMNO's MPs, our history today will be different. So we must credit his role and that of AMNO. He's almost killing them with kindness. 
Yeah, but Amno's doing pretty well for themselves right now, right? I mean, post GE 15, Anwar needed Amno's numbers. And for Amno at that point, post GE, they had three choices to join Pakatan Harapan with Anwar, to join Perikata Nasional Muhyiddin, or remain as independent opposition bloc, which you know, many of the Barisan national leaders had called for, right? Amno only has 26. That's quite small compared to the other Malay parties. But it plays a, a relatively important role in this unity government. Okay, we look at the cabinet allocations, for example. Amno has the DPM post with Zahid Hamidi there. They also hold several key ministerial posts: defence, law, international trade and industry, foreign affairs. Um, and even in this unity government, it does seem that Amno is playing this main secretariat role. So the unity government's chief secretariat is Ashraf Wajdi. He's an Amno Supreme Council member. He was a former Amno Youth Chief. Um, the unity government meetings and even the convention uh, recently, they're all held at the World Trade Center in KL. And that place is so synonymous with Amno because that's where the party headquarters is. So this this partnership between Pakatan Harapan and BN or Amno, it's it's very puzzling, right? It's very strange bedfellows after decades of political rivalry. And, you know, at the Unity Convention, when I went to cover it, we have the DAP leaders speaking in Amno territory. It's something so unthinkable, right? It's never before speaking at the Merdeka Hall. And then we had DAP and PH leaders saying, Dulu lawan, sekarang kawan, which means back then we're foes and now we're friends. So, it's just so bizarre, you know, the situation that we're in. But what observers are saying essentially is that you have to look at it this way. AMNO is the sole Malay nationalist party in the unity government and its presence, you know, sort of secures representation from Malaysia's political heartland. And it also bolsters the, the government's Malay Muslim credential and both of which are very vital for the government's legitimacy because it also allays fears of preconceived notions that the Malays may have about DAP or PH. So... This partnership is it's not some short-term instrumental gain to, to forming the government and making Anwar the Prime Minister, but it is favourable for Pakatan Harapan who will want to work with AMNO to cross the line in the next GE by having a Malay party or a Malay vehicle that can sort of win the rural seats. So Afifa, what does that mean then for the current opposition parties being PAS and Bursatu? What has been their response to Anwar and this latest conference showcasing the unity of the government? The opposition, they have always been sceptical of this unity government right from the beginning, right? There have been threats or, or threatening comments, rather, coming from the Prikata national leaders. The Bursatu president, Muhyiddin Yassin, has said before that this unity government may be forced to, and I quote, drop out from Putrajaya before the next GE. And he said that these uh, strange bedfellows could be forced out if they keep attacking him because he insists that Pakatan Harapan and the unity government fear the influence of Prikata Nasional. Similarly, you know, even in, in March, past President Hadi Awang, he said that he expected the government to fall in the near future, but he didn't offer details on how that would happen. He later said, and I quote, he said, we have the right to plan and no one can stop us from making plans to topple the government. So, so very strong words from the opposition there, or are these just empty threats that they're throwing out? Well, it does sound rather ominous. Uh, well, we've covered the political parties then. What's the gauge on the sentiment on the ground of how well Anwar is doing and also the mood towards politics in general following what has been several years of turmoil? And given we're continuing to emerge from the pandemic, do people just want to get on with their lives? Yeah, you know, last year we saw Malaysia 
people here generally have voter fatigue, right? Because we've seen too many elections happening in the last three years. States falling one by one, culminating to that big early general elections in November last year. But now we're about six months in and people have sort of come to terms with this new political landscape. You know, one survey by this marketing company found that two thirds or 66% of Malaysians think that the country is in the right direction six months after the GE. So there's been this readjustment to post-COVID life, a post-election reality, and people's concerns now are more bread and butter issues, right? The rising cost of living, inflation, the economy. But with the state elections coming very soon, you know, will this reignite another round of voter fatigue? That is the question. Uh, tell us so quickly what states those are that are coming up for re-elections? Well, we have the northern states, Penang, Kedah. On the east coast, we have Kelantan, Terengganu, and the central states of Selangor and Negeri Sembilan. And when are they coming? When is that due? Well, so all of this chief ministers of these six states, they say that they want to run the state elections concurrently at the same time so as not to waste any resources. What they will have to do is that they will have to consult with the the respective sultans of the states and that's set to happen sometime mid-June to end June. So once that happens and they get the blessings from the sultan to hold the state elections and to dissolve state assemblies, then the election commission will come in. So we're looking at a timeline of about mid-July to early August. That's when everyone is expecting uh, the elections to happen. Okay, and another test for Anwar Ibrahim. Stay with us, Afifa. Next on CNA Correspondent, I'll ask Afifa about the legal troubles of Malaysia's former prime ministers and also what the Madani concept is. Are you looking for ways to make your money work harder? Tips on saving, investing or retiring early, perhaps? or advice on big-ticket decisions like buying a house or owning a car. I'm Andrea Hing, host of CNA's top personal finance podcast, Money Talks. And these are some of the things we find out for you. Each week, I get a guest to share personal stories and answer burning questions that help you make sense of the latest financial trends. Go check out the complete Money Talks playlist on the CNA app, Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts. This convention is a clear signal to Malaysians and the world that this government is not only stable, but God willing, it will be able to remain intact until the next election. Remain intact for what? Firstly, it is good for governance and to fight corruption. And secondly, it is to implement policies that can ensure growth for the good of the people. Welcome back. Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim and the Unity Government Convention with more on the virtues of having a stable government. Afifa, something Anwar has spoken about quite a bit is confidence and also the Madani concept. Uh, What is it and why does he place so much importance on this? You know, Steve, when, when it was first announced, what this this Malaysia Madani slogan, I think everyone in Malaysia had the same question. What is Madani? You know, it's not a common word that's used in daily conversations, right? It's, it's It has Arabic origin. But we know that it is customary for a new Malaysian prime minister to introduce a new slogan or a new concept at the very early stage of their tenure. So we saw Mr. Ismail Sabri 
unveiled the Keluarga Malaysia, the Malaysian family concept calling for national unity. Before him, Muhyiddin Yassin had the caring government slogan amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Najib Razak had one Malaysia. So this Malaysia Madani or civil Malaysia, it's, it's a slogan that's been conceptualised by the Anwar administration. It's about reforming Malaysia into a country that believes in humanity, civic and good values such as fair, just, effective government. So when I asked some analysts, what is Madani actually? What is it all about? And some of them told me that this is actually not the first time that Anwar has been promoting the idea. He has been talking about this Masyarakat Madani or this civil society since the 1990s. And he has in fact talked about it a lot in his book, The Asian Renaissance, uh, which is published during his time when he was uh, DPM back in the 1990s. So 24 years on, after being the Prime Minister and waiting for that long, he's finally able to realise this concept of his. We won't go back through his journey to become the Prime Minister. Uh, but looking forward, what challenges does he face? You mentioned uh, earlier about the state elections. Uh, what else has he got, you know, his obstacles or challenges up ahead? That's right. So that is the major first test on the horizon, the upcoming state elections in, in six states. The state elections, they, they technically have no bearing on the federal government, but they are very crucial in terms of shaping the prevailing political narrative. So it's seen as a mini referendum, right? The six states across the peninsula are very reflective of the country's demographics. And it's a referendum to, to see what the public thinks about the Anwar administration six months on. Do they agree with his leadership and his policies so far? Are they happy? It's also to see whether the public accepts this arrangement that the unity government is currently in. Are they okay with Pakatan Harapan and Barisan Nasional working together after all? So for this unity government internally as well, the state elections is a, a sort of a litmus test to see if this current composition and arrangement can work going into the next GE. Because unlike G15, this time there's already a pre-electoral arrangement between the various parties, right? We're going into this as a unity government versus Perikatan Nasional. So that's like a sort of two-cornered fight. So the question is, can Pakatan Harapan and Barisan Nasional settle their differences, work together after decades of competing in elections? Can they mobilize their grassroots? So for example, can AMNO get their machinery to campaign for Pakatan Harapan and vice versa? Uh, so this is really the main hurdle that Anwar and, and his administration needs to cross. I'm almost scared to ask, uh, when would GE16 happen? Well, that's due in another five years, right? Um, okay, so we've thing, got some breathing room. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, there's no assurances in politics. And if it's anything we've learned in the last five years here, it's that nothing can truly guarantee the government's survival. Oof. Okay, well, let's move on from the, the power plays then. Uh, from the current prime minister to some former ones, uh, where is Najib Razak at with all of his legal troubles. And I understand Muhyiddin Yassin has had some legal troubles of his own. Yeah, we've actually got quite a number of former prime ministers and current prime minister embroiled in some court saga in some form or another. For criminal charges, we know Najat Razak is still in jail, but he also has the other continuing 1MDB trials. Muhyiddin Yassin has been slapped with multiple charges of graft and money laundering during his time in charge of the country. But don't forget, recently also, we have Mahathir Mohammed filing a defamation suit of about 150 million ringgit against Anwar Ibrahim. Mahathir had alleged that Anwar had defamed him by accusing him of being racist, enriching himself and his family members during his 22 years in power. Uh, he wants to take Anwar to court and Anwar has also recently just filed a memorandum of appearance. So many of the Malaysia's uh, leaders are going to be you know, in court pretty soon. It's never dull 
<laughs> people are never dull when it comes to Malaysian politics. Uh, Najib had hoped for a pardon. Would that be on the cards? And is this also a bone of contention between UMNO and Anwar Ibrahim? Get us up to speed. Yes, yeah, so in March this year, Najib's application to review the appeal court's ruling was dismissed by the federal court. So that seemed to indicate that the SRC international case is, is already closed and, and his fate to serve 12 years of jail sealed. Uh, his lawyer insists it's not the end of the road just yet. He didn't rule out pursuing other legal means, uh, including yet another review, his petition to the United Nations, um, and he still wants to seek a pardon with the king. But the pardon's issue, as you said, is a bone of contention between AMNO and um, Anwar and the other component parties in, in government because they have been clear they want a clean government. The pro-Najib camp in AMNO have been very actively campaigning publicly to pressure Anwar's government to back the petition that the party had presented presented to the king earlier this month. But, you know, this presents a very complex problem for Anwar. He has so far presented a neutral stance saying that Najib should be accorded the due processes of court. But he has not, beyond that, commented anything else on the issue. And, you know, he has steered the narrative back towards more pressing issues like running the country. Um, but for component parties like DAP, for example, the red line is Najib's freedom. So we'll have to see what plays out in this regard. It's, it seems very tricky and, and very complicated. All right. Well, we're grateful we have you uh, to keep an eye on all these developments out of Malaysia for us. Anything else we should be looking out for from Malaysia? What are you working on? Well, we're constantly on the lookout for interesting stories in Malaysia. There's so much to share about this country beyond the politics, you know. But as much as I want to say we will look into other interesting areas, we have the state elections, as we talked about earlier, on the horizon. So that's something we'll be busy with. But stay tuned to us, our KL Bureau, me and Melissa Go. We'll see what other stories we can come up with. Okay, we look forward to them all. Thank you, Afifa. And where can our listeners find you to keep up to speed with all things Malaysia? Well, you can follow us on our social media on Twitter at AfifaCNA. Awesome. Thanks very much for speaking with me today. All right. Thanks, Steve. Anwar Ibrahim's path to Malaysia's top job was far from straightforward. If you remember, he was Deputy Prime Minister and heir apparent as far back as 1993. But after a tumultuous 30-year journey, he is now at the helm and looking to lead Malaysia towards prosperity. He hopes his message of unity, stability and confidence will take root both at home and abroad. And for now at least, that seems to be the case. The TV version CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30pm. You can also catch it whenever you like on CNA.Asia. Do like, subscribe to and share this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents. It's available wherever you listen to your audio content. Thank you for listening. Our podcast team is made up of Sai Wind, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong and me, Steve Lai.